Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of Theology of Plain Man's Plain Men, excuse me, <laughs> uh, podcast. Um, we need to go back to video. That's what I'm deciding right now. Because if we were on video about 30 seconds ago, you'd have seen me, Michael Francis, try to start a timer on an iPhone. Take about seven tries to do so, and we were all laughing our heads off as the intro music started to play. So that is something that we'll work on. Uh, those Facebook Live videos. All right, my producer, Zach, is telling me we're not going to do that. <clears throat> Something about technical difficulties and lack of budget. <laughs> but so uh, we need donors. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, coming back to it. So today I am joined by Cody Taholke and Andre Nelson on the microphones, and Zach Doman is our lovely producer. We are going to be talking about love, and the reason for that is we believe there is a very different definition between what culture des- uh, describes as love and we're specifically talking about love as it relates to relationships between people um, in the biblical definition of love so we're gonna we're gonna sh- kind of peel the onion and and look at the different layers of this topic and how culture defines love how the Bible defines love and how we think there's a weakness in our culture because the English language really only has one word to describe that and also we just don't know uh, quite what we're doing is love and emotion was it a feeling how do i how do i know i'm gonna marry the one or am i dating the right person like what does it look like to have love in a marriage what does it look like to show that to a brother or somebody around us so we are going to be doing all of that so to start we're gonna really answer the question what is the issue so cody andre cultural definition of love what do you think it is what does that look like today uh, I'm going to chime in. I think the idea of love that is perpetrated probably starts when we're all children and we look at some of the Disney movies. Now, I'm not trying to throw Disney under the bus and say that they have something yes. bad in mind. Uh, Zach's saying we can throw them under the bus. Have you seen the live but, action movie? <laughs> um, but I think it, what tends to happen is you have, you know, your classic elements of plot. There's some conflict. There's some growth and resolution. It always ends on this happy note of, like, living happily ever after. And the people that end up together in these movies, it's like they were made for one another. They have this conflict that they work through until they are perfect and they're made for each other. You found the one who excites you and you just can't wait to spend the rest of your life with. Um and then the, you just see that in all of our rom-coms. Like, all of our rom-coms took a cue from Disney and just kept it going. Hot second. Rom-com or chick flick? I think I usually use the word chick flick. But. Are those two things the same thing? Maybe all right. they are. Yeah, Maybe. They, they are. Rom-com because I like them okay, sometimes. Rom-coms. Yes. I agree. I think all of those romantic comedies have this flair of the magical, right? Like, there's a feeling... There's a Prince Charming. There's that thing that makes it so unique, so special. And that's that's what you need in your relationship. And if you don't have it, it's not worth it. So 
Yeah. What are you What are you thinking, Andre? What are you looking at, Michael? I love tacos, dude. Taco Bell, mm-hmm. not great. No, but you still <laughs> no. love those. Are the wrong tacos. Yeah. Right. Those are not the ones that I love. But I also love my mom, and I also love my friends, and I love all these things differently. And so it's hard for me to, I think, live out the true definition of love when like you alluded to in the introduction here there are some only one word for love for us to express affection basically right and so as often as is thrown around the word love i think it dilutes the scenarios in which we really should be saying that we love something that we love people um in fact is it possible to like if we're talking about what love really is, can you love a thing? Or can you only love people? That's that's a question. Hmm, that is an interesting one. I mean, not that I'm necessarily looking for an answer, but anyway, so I just think that our culture and the way that things are have kind of blurred and messied the whole idea of love. Mm-hmm. Not only in semantics and the words that we're using to describe it, but also um in what we expect from love and the the place in our lives that we um, are looking for love to occupy. Mm-hmm. So maybe even like when it comes to people, we expect too much and it's over the top and isn't realistic. And then it, yeah. you know, on the other hand, it's also diluted because we use it to talk yeah. about things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, do we, <laughs> I don't know if you, if you, if you, uh, you know, if you, uh, sorry, if you and Andre, sorry, if you and I, Andre, wow, that was really a fumble <laughs> on my words there. If you and I were sitting at Taco Bell and we're talking about a deep subject and uh, we're really showing care towards one another, we're really getting to know each other, we're listening well, and you go, oh, I love these tacos. <laughs> and then you look up and say, Michael, I love you too. How do you think I'm going to feel? about that like, yeah yeah that's kind of what we're trying to know that was yeah. the example right mm-hmm. is can those that same word we use in the same moment um almost in a way so i think there's that 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 you have to be careful in your communication but how I, this is the question i have for you guys how do we know we're loved how do you feel love when when you're being loved or being loved what does that look like um, a little bit more personal example of uh, what's going on and how you see love play out. Um, I can start with an answer to that, which would be maybe beneficial as you guys get your brain flowing. Um, I, I think the idea of listening is wrapped up in love a lot. What I mean by that is this, not listening just to hear the words coming out of my mouth, but listen to know, like listen to remember, listen to to remember and be thoughtful, that's a way to show love well. We see that reflected in verses uh, in Romans 14, but particularly in in 1 Corinthians 8, which is a chapter that not many people think about because the first verse in 1 Corinthians 8 says, now considering food, sacrifice to idols, and you kind of check out at that point. (laughs) Uh, But let me pull it up here. The next next few verses in that section, well, wrong chapter, um, really start to talk about this idea of how to love a brother well. So when you look at first Corinthians eight, now concerning food offered to idols, we know all of us possess knowledge. 
This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. And that verse 3 there, I really want to key in on. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Right there, Paul equates the idea of knowing somebody with loving somebody. And I think that's really where listening plays into love. So one example of somebody loving me where it's not necessarily a feeling, and I think we're going to start seeing this drawn out more and more, where our culture says love is a magic, love is a feeling, love is an emotion. You have to trust that emotion. And we're going to start pulling that away and say, more love is a choice and love is an action and love is a sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And to start to pull that separation apart, I see it here. Loving someone is knowing them. Loving someone is taking the time to get to know them, to listen, to be thoughtful, to be caring. Because as Paul goes in here, he's talking about uh, a weak brother versus a strong brother. And his last verse here, First uh, Corinthians eight thirteen, says, "Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat again, lest I make my brother stumble." You can put anything in there for food, right? If if you know alcohol makes my brother stumble, if pornography makes my brother stumble, if lying makes my brother stumble, if gambling makes my brother stumble, if blank blank blank. And how are you going to know those things about your brother if you don't know him? If you're not willing to listen to his struggles? and be, uh, be walking through life with them in that way. So I think that's one way that we look at how loving is not necessarily an emotion or a feeling, but really looking at listening and, and, and uh, trying to learn about somebody. What do you guys think? Well, I think um, you're starting to see some of that contrast that we're trying to get at, starting with this cultural idea of love that is diluted, also maybe expects too much, and I think focuses on the self. Because, Michael, you really hit on this idea of when it comes to love, I'm thinking about the other person. And I know for me, like for instance, um, in our culture, the idea of love is what does this person do to me? Do they make me feel a certain way? Do they make me feel like I'm on cloud nine all the time? And there's this expectation that they will always be doing that for you. Um, And not to dilute that, like there is an emotional component to love, but there is some of this uh, devotional uh, aspect to it too that I have the other person's well-being in mind and oftentimes ahead of our own so when I think of um, my marriage to Marin, I would think you know if I was going only by the cultural expectation of love I should expect to say that Marin makes me feel amazing all the time and every day of my life I am waking up feeling like the end of a Disney movie and honestly, that's just not the case all the time because there are times where you wake up and there's just, I'm going to work again uh, for the you know fifth time this week and then that'll happen five times the next week. And there's all the little things in life that go on and sometimes your own pride just gets in the way, the inability to connect. And so with our culture's definition of love, there is no room uh, for this idea of the other person because it's all about you and what you think. And that really sets us up for a terrible place to be in when it comes to talking about love and the good of other people. I think a big part of the choice aspect of love is that it's not always easy. And I think this also goes back against this, you know, you know, we're like eviscerating Disney here for some reason, but I guess, you know, I'm, kind of a big Disney fan so over here kind of cringing a little bit but I think that there's a reason for that and it's fine 
um, you know, th- this image of like Disney perfect love is um, pushed up against when we think about love is a choice and love does not always satisfy us and love does not always feel natural. And I think that latter part is what's really important here, at least in my experience, is that true, like real love expressed fully and rightly and realistically is not, does not always feel like the the first thing that you want to do, you know, and it's not always like your your preference. And so, and that's why I think in many ways, this is also reflective of what we believe about sin and the fall and how I think a lot of people tend to operate on the default assumption that, you know, oh, if I feel something internally, that's not tainted by the world, you know, that's not the result of like some other person doing something wrong. That's like internal, in like inside me, it's natural and that's okay. And I'm going to be guided by that. And I think something we need to realize is that our hearts and our emotions fell along with the rest of us in, you know, Genesis 3. And so everything that we believe about our sinful nature is true of our emotions too, and that's something we need to be aware of. Um, Yeah, um, going off what you were saying, Andre, about the fall is I think you even see it right there in uh, Genesis 3, the first thing God says to Eve when talking about the consequence of their choice uh, to disobey God and the life he had for them is that your desire will be for your husband and he shall rule over you. And this idea just of like this backbiting relationship where the two of you are striving for your own desires without regard for the other. And so you already see this like emotional component of love where if love is only based on emotions, we're screwed because as the Bible says here, your desire is against the other. And even in chapter four of Genesis, Cain and Abel, the first murder we see uh, Cain just fuming against Abel because God had more favor towards Abel than Cain. And God says, you see sin, it is crouching at your door. Its desire is for you. And we already see this tension of desires and feelings about towards other people. And so we see that, yeah, like you said, our emotions came down in the fall and they're tainted. And so to only view love through an emotional lens is to fall so short of what God intends for our love toward other people and towards himself as well. Yep, and that is what we see day in and day out. We see people looking to serve themselves, a selfish living uh, and, and trying to get that own feeling. I want to feel good towards them and I want to feel loved. And that's where the fall hit us. And as we as Christians, what do we look to as our example away from that? I think we have to look at Christ's example. Um, and Christ's example of humility. And Philippians 2 here just hits home <clears throat> every time. If you guys would uh, embrace me for a second, I'm going to read this, and then I'm going to share a, a story, um, both uh, actually two quick stories. So here's Philippians 2, though. The, the answer to the question of how do we show love and the standard that Christians should have and go for. Philippians 2, verse 1. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind and having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. This is Paul writing here. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count yourselves more significant excuse me, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. 
have this mind among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as something to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And that is the love um, that is the love that we see when we look at the world's love. It's all about what can I get from the other person? It's about if I give this to you, I'm going to get this from you. It's so transactional. It's, it's pain in so I can get a payment out. But what Christ did here, and we see this reflected in Philippians two is Christ humbled himself. He emptied himself and he didn't want equality with God as something to be grass. He could not grasps that and he realized that he couldn't make it transactional but rather it was completely authentic and came through in a way that was you know human and, and life-changing and to make go ahead Andre. and he was a total celebrity i mean that wasn't natural for him like he made that very deliberate choice yep. as a person who could have taken renown and authority whichever way he wanted in a way that really benefited him in, and, and I think he still would have gotten a lot of affection from people, you know, but he wouldn't, but that wouldn't have been true to, to, um, like the truth of who God is and the need for humility and what he came to do and show us. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to add that. Well, and I even want to, even going off what you just said, Andre, that it was not natural to him. I, I would even go a step further to say like in the garden of Gethsemane, he is saying he's praying like if there's any way that this can be yeah. taken from me, Absolutely. take it because I, I don't want it. Um, and he says, but not my will done, but yours. So he even takes love this step further that sure, there can be this emotional component, but more important is that humble servant mindset that says, even if I feel like I should be doing the exact opposite thing, I'm thinking of what can I do for you and, and resulting in the ultimate good, which is death on a cross for the sin of the world. Yep. Yeah. And I think uh, since our world looks at relationships and love between a man and a woman as something that they can grab onto, um, I have a story. And uh, this is where I've kind of learned this and see this, seen this in my life. Um, I'm not married. Um, I'm, I'm dating, which is great. And that, that has been wonderful. But I haven't had that chance to serve uh, my girlfriend in that way yet as a wife, but somebody who I've seen do this remarkably well, and he did not choose it is my brother, my older brother, Forrest. He, uh, fell in love with a gal magically, um, over the years. And right before they got engaged, she got a diagnosis of rheumatoid arthritis, which is a, uh, autoimmune disorder. So her body was beating herself up all the time. And, uh, they get engaged, they get married and my sister-in-law, lovely girl, such a fighter now, Lexi is in the hospital every year, a couple times a year. Uh, there was a year where they didn't know what was wrong with her. She had three illnesses going on. There's a time when she couldn't get out of bed. There's a time when she couldn't dress herself. There's a time when she couldn't cook for herself. And my brother has been working full time. And his wife, he'll wake up next to her. And she isn't beautiful by the world standards but he sees her as such beautiful. He sees her as the woman he committed to and he serves her regardless, not looking out to his own interests, but to her interests, knowing that she can't feed herself or clothe herself. 
she's in the hospital this very night actually with an arthritis flare-up and he's watching out for her he's been emailing his boss who he just started a new job and he's feeling bad that he's not at work but he's been emailing his coworkers and boss saying hey i can't come in today i'll be working remote because my wife's in the hospital and he's given up his life uh for the rest of his life because she's going to have this forever for her and it is such a beautiful example of what love is he's choosing to love that woman so well and it's such an example of i think what true love is in the only rom-com i can think of that came close to that was like a walk to remember right where you walk through somebody when they are sick and failing and i think that's when you see true love and our hearts empathize with that so much because we know that's real we know pain is real in times when you wake up and it's not perfect it's that day in and day out struggle and grind and choosing to love the person on that day is what makes love so authentic so powerful it's what makes marriages last rather than walking away and saying, you know what? I don't love you today. That feeling's gone. So I'm not going to choose to be here anymore and I'm going to walk away. Rather than saying what Christ did, he chose love when we didn't deserve it. And that is the most beautiful form and what love should mean in a relationship. But Cody, looks like you got something to say there. I was going to say that's... Um honestly has such an inspiring and wonderful story of like how God's presence in your brother's life has inspired him to be like Christ in caring for his wife. Um, and with that in mind, maybe now we can turn to like, how do we in light of this information love more like Christ did? Um, and I want to turn it to you guys for what you might have in mind. But one thing I thought of was, um, First off, I think it's it's seeing Jesus as the one, an example in the sense that we see that despite feelings, he chose to love and made the decision to look out for the well-being of another. But more than simply um, an example, Christ is also our strength and he is also our wisdom and he is also the one who is making us new. So when I think of these, I kind of have in mind Proverbs 4, which is, talking about like above all else guard your heart for everything you do flows from it or even the prayer in psalm 51 create in me a pure heart O god and renew a steadfast spirit within me um i think these places come and they they see us in our brokenness and we're coming to god and say i see jesus's example and i want to follow that and i need you to give me strength to do that and i need i would even love for you to change my feelings about that because uh, as Hebrews 12 says, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. So there's even this contrast between Jesus not wanting to die, but because of the joy, he did it. And I think that should be our prayers. We're looking to Jesus as the example, but we're also asking God for the strength and even for our emotions to be in conformity with his will, that we would take joy in serving others and not simply begrudgingly uh, just try to do our best to get the job done. But we're asking him to change our hearts Uh any thoughts from you guys? Yeah, that's that's uh, hitting the nail on the head there. Um, he he had this idea of de- de- delayed gratification that he knew that the best was yet to come, and knowing that the choice now in this moment could be painful and was very painful, but he put it aside because he knew the beauty of what was to come, and I think that's something that we don't think about. Where in this idea of love, we talk about follow your feelings, follow your heart, Cody, follow your heart. And that's such bad advice 
because with our mental power and with everything, our physical health, our emotional health also fell. And it's so hard, like you were saying, to trust your heart because it can mislead you. And it can be the thing that walks you away from the thing that's better or the decision. You choose the wrong one because you are following your emotions. And I think that's a key application of of today that I'm even taking away from because I forgot about this before Zach brought it up before our, during our pre-podcast spiel is our emotions fell too. So how am I conforming my emotions uh, with the will of God as well? Not just my actions, but also what am I feeling? Am I running this by scripture? Am I letting God lead me and lead my heart as well? Like you said, guard your heart. Don't follow your heart. Guard it because it can mislead you. And I think that's a key application of today. But uh, Mr. Nelson, Andre, what are you you thinking about over there? I think you guys have really... um, really pointed out some really good good applications based on what we've been talking about based on Jesus' example. Um, you know, I, I hear people say, well, hate is a strong word, you know, and, and they try to avoid using the word hate because for whatever reason. People, this is basically just an example of precedent for people choosing their language carefully, which I think is a good thing to do, period, all the time, no matter what generally in our whole lives. Big language guy. Why, this? I'm really spitballing here, but consider not saying that you love tacos. Consider reserving the word love for when you actually mean it. Um, maybe that would l- lend some more weight to that word, even just in our own minds, in our own experience, uh, to, to help parse the things that we properly love and, and what love properly is. The things that we're sacrificing ourselves for, and you know, that are not driven by these these rosy emotions, um, but rather um, opportunities for us to be a servant, to be humble, um, and to be selfless. I think just a thought, maybe a way to kind of structure and tangibly apply something um, in your life as a result of this. Yep, that is. Uh kind of a solid another final step on love and looking at this difference that we see from what the Bible defines as love uh, as authentic sacrificial a choice that we make every day and what the world defines as love as transactional I'm going to get what I want to serve myself and with that we uh, wrap up a one more podcast uh, with the Theology of Plain Men blog. I missed it up on the intro and the closing, so I'm going to stop doing these. But anyway, y'all have a good week, and we hope that this was edifying for you as we verbally process through what is love. See you later.